0: You don't have to be all polished at the beginning, but as you learn and as you practice each step along the way, you, you get better.
1: Hi, I'm Richard Relston. Welcome to Focus on Progress, the podcast for you, the online membership owner who wants to see more progress in your business, in your life, and in the lives of those you lead. Did you ever have a childhood dream? Did you ever hope that someday, somehow, that dream might come true? Louise Summy did. In 2007, at the age of 45, she closed her decorative painting business and in the middle of the real estate crash decided to face her fear and go to college. It wasn't easy, but that decision put Louise back on the path to living out her childhood dream of making videos. Louise is a video producer who helps business people learn how to use video to share their message and promote their products and services, even if they are fearful of the technology. My hope is that Louise's story encourages you to see that regardless of your circumstances or stage of life, you can start doing new things, change your life, and move forward towards making your dreams a reality. Hi Louise, welcome to the podcast today.
0: Hey Richard, how are you?
1: I'm really really great, thank you. Hope you're doing well too.
0: I am and I'm just so honored to be on here with you. So thank you for asking me.
1: Oh, you're welcome. It's great it's great to have you here and I'm looking forward to our chat today. So just to help our listeners a little bit, could you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're passionate about, what you do, what drives you, Louise?
0: Okay. So so my name is Louise. But, you know, with Louise, there is a nickname called Wheezy. And so for my business purposes, I go by Wheezy because I have found through life, people who know me and love me call me Wheezy. (laughs) So Richard, I'm basically a video producer and I do all things video. But in the last few years, particularly once COVID hit, I have started specializing on helping people produce their own videos and how they can go about producing their own videos in front of and behind
1: the camera. What what sort of videos? Are you talking high-budget production things or are you talking stuff for Facebook or family?
0: It, it could be for family, for like the shooting quality of being able to um, capture video better, but primarily it's for business people or people who have um, a message to share that needs to just get their word out, and it doesn't have to be high quality. It can be, you know, using simply your cell phone. But just how to set it up, what does right. you know, so that it sounds better and looks better. And I also teach them how to like format the flow of how the video really needs to go.
1: Right, so that it help. makes sense.
0: So it makes sense. And they feel more comfortable and more confident when they go to make that video.
1: So how did you get into that, Louise?
0: My midlife crisis.
1: (laughs) Okay. So tell us about that.
0: (laughs) So it happened one night as my husband and I were sitting out on the deck in 2007. And it was during the time that the real estate crash was happening and I had just closed my business of doing decorative painting because my clients weren't just losing their jobs. They were losing their homes. Wow. So my market went away too. Mm. Our sons were getting older and it was, we were looking for jobs, all three of us and not having much luck. And I told my husband, I said, you know, I i feel, I feel them. I feel how they feel, you know. They they're frustrated. They don't have enough education to move forward, um, to get a better job. And it's always for myself. It's always bothered me because I never went ahead and finished getting my higher education. And he had the audacity to say, "Change it." I'm going. Okay. Change it. You want me to actually do something about this? And i sit here and whine. And so <laughs> the next week I went to our local um, college, picked up a magazine, always terrified of taking the admissions test. Because, and that was really my major holdback from going to college was mm. I was afraid I couldn't get in. I wasn't sure of the process and so that fear of the unknown had held me back for 20 years wow so at this time i was 45 years old and i enrolled i passed my test well done and i i it's like (gasps) I do comprehend I still know grammar, math, not so much, but hey, they're going, Mrs. Summy, you're okay. you can you can come and we will give you the math classes you need in order to be a graduate. So I went and at that time I was I signed up for graphic design, and I was um, taking my art form from from the paintbrush to the computer. and while I was there, I found out something—something something that had been a childhood dream of mine, a fantasy that I thought I was unattainable—and that was video. And I wasn't really interested in being in front of the camera. I just wanted to be part of that production team. Mm. I just always thought it was so fascinating. Um, I had grown up as a little girl in rural Pennsylvania. And I spent a lot of time alone, and my mom did use the TV as a babysitter. And those people were my friends. Everybody else was busy. And so I just thought it was glamorous and always wanted to be part of it. And I found a way I could. And so I went to school for another year, graduated, um, came out of my class as best producer, and I also (laughs) and I also got the leadership award for the whole um, university department that I was part in so
1: wow so that must have that must have really changed um, the way you thought about yourself in terms of um, being able to accomplish something I mean you you said before that you thought that trying to get in and doing the admissions test had held you back for 20 years and now you take that step you get in there you do the course and you come out top.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It really did. It really it encouraged me. It it engaged my confidence. I was I've always had um solo jobs where I'm alone a lot. And here I was a vibrant part of a community. Um of course I was the I was one of the older students. Um in the class but you know I these kids I was going to school with they were the same age as my kids and they thought I was funny and they loved me just for who I was so it it, it was a good time it was a good time and that lasted I so I graduated with an associate's degree and everything um which if I had to redo it again, I would just say that I would go on to get my bachelor's degree because it would have opened more doors for me in this profession.
1: Is that something you might go back and do maybe?
0: No, no, I don't think so. No, because for for what it would have opened the doors for, now I don't have interest in
1: that. Okay, there you go. So so it's interesting, the decisions that we make and where they lead us going forward. Did you have any idea that where you are now is the direction that you were heading in?
0: Absolutely not. No, because it was really for, for what I got into it, it was always making video for somebody else, helping somebody else do like show creation. So it, Because, you know, when I was graduating, that was just the birth of YouTube and Facebook and video for the web. And I'm like going, there's something, there's something there. That's the direction I'm going to go because that's uncharted territory. And so I've always done videos for the internet, not television or the big screen.
1: Interesting, yeah. So, so you got involved, did your degree, and came out at exactly the time that uh, video on the internet was beginning to open up.
0: Yes, and you know what happens when you're a little bit ahead of the curve. You tell me. Think <laughs> it, it's good to be innovative and a little bit and see what's happening, but sometimes you're there just a little too early. And people aren't quite ready to embrace what you're what you're selling. Changes comes you know a little bit harder down the road, and still, twelve years later, it's it still can be tough convincing people that they need to have video for the internet.
1: Right, but oh, that, that's interesting.
0: But you know, I I produced several shows, and I would like schedule the guest, hire the crew. And different things like that, um, and I'm one of those people. I just do the work. I sometimes I was paid and sometimes I wasn't, um, but but it built but it built my but it built my resume. It built my mm. my uh, reel, mm. and then I got into like making small commercial type videos for businesses. Sometimes it was using motion graphics in order to share their message or explain their product of what they were, what they were selling.
1: So let, let's go back to when you just got into university or, or started doing a degree. Is it university in the States? What do you call it?
0: It was mostly university, but I went to a community
1: college. Community college, right. Mm-hmm. So when you first got in there... What what were some of the challenges you had there? Because that would have been all new for you.
0: So when I started, it was all very new for me. I say I went to kindergarten college because I went to one room, it was a computer lab. It was full of Apple computers, had always used a Windows system. So I had to overcome that. I had never used any of the Adobe software. So they really held your hand and they showed you exactly how to use the software step by step. I had never done Photoshop. I had never even heard of Illustrator Um, for the first semester. But through it all, I learned how to take and manipulate and start with graphics. And then the following year... I had never touched a TV camera. I had never even been in a TV studio, and we had mock studios. (laughs) And so it was all very new to me.
1: So what was it that helped you continue to move forward in that? I mean, surely there must've been some difficult times or some frustrating times in that?
0: Oh, there was many frustrating times. I was the queen of being able to have a project and then lose it because I forgot to hit save. Just the challenge of the younger generation that I was going to school with, they were so quick with everything and just whizzed through learning where everything was on the dashboard. And I'm like hunting and pecking and taking my time and looking at them going, help. So I had to learn how to ask for help. Um, it, It switched up the position of where you know everything that you've been doing and you're an expert at it and it came quickly for you to, you were thrown into a pool where you really didn't know anything. You just kind of picked this up out of a hat going, you know what, I think I wanna give it a try. But you know what? I did it and my instructor would always tell me, the first day you came in here, you could barely turn on your computer. Look at what you're designing. You're designing and you're one of my most creative designers.
1: So he was really encouraging to you.
0: He was very encouraging to me. That was the nice thing about being in the environment that I was in because we were like in an incubator. Like I said, it was like kindergarten college. So we, we were in that room for three to six hours a day together mm. all the time, you know, two to three days a week. So uh, you, get, you got to know people.
1: So then you qualified, and you qualified top of your class and the head leadership role, and then you came out into the real world. What happened then? How did you use what you'd learned?
0: I saw this gig to help on a short film that was being filmed several hours away from my house. And I went just to be part of the crew, and within a week, I, I was in the assistant producer role. Because I was, I showed up, I asked questions, and I was willing to put in the work. Um, In that industry, a lot of people think they want to help, but then it disrupts some of their schedule in life, and they quickly pop out going, I, I, this is more than I thought it was going to be, but I was willing to roll up my sleeves and do what I needed, and luckily, my sister-in-law lived nearby that when I was working up there, I could just go and stay with my sister-in-law. I didn't have to commute back and forth between cities. So so that was my first gig.
1: That would be a long trip every day.
0: Yes, it would be. Um, And then that fell apart. <laughs> the... Um, the director and um, cinematographer really kind of took things to a crazy place. And we all just kind of go, we can't follow you. And we all left the project, (laughs) but that's, that, that's very, very, um, that happens a lot with short films. And particularly, you know, when you're not getting paid, it's like, no. (laughs) So when I finished up with the movie, I came back and There had been a group of people I had met while I was in school, and they did music. Um, One man was the promoter, and then another man had this old theater. And on the weekends, he would have live music come in, particularly singer-songwriters would come in and perform after the evening's Movie, So they would run the movie from like 7 to 9, and then at 9 o'clock live performances would happen until 11 or 12. So we got to know some of the musicians, and where I was brought in is the promoter wanted to start his show, um, highlighting singer-songwriters of the Carolinas. Um, If you know anything about the Carolinas, it is, that's North Carolina and South Carolina, It is rich in history with many famous artists Mm. out there in the world. So we started a show going out and interviewing these types of people. And some of the people that I brought on to help crew the, the camera and the audio, then they're going, well, this is cool, but could we branch out and maybe try some other, you know, like public service type like go out in the neighborhoods and find out what's going on and just interview different businesses and uh events and stuff that were going on and i'm going sure i would love to be part of that so that's how i got started was just making connections and putting together these interviews and these show concepts and i loved it i absolutely loved it but sponsorships once again because we were dealing with the internet it was just too early uh, sponsorships just really weren't there and you know once again the crew doesn't they're going oh, no pay I'm not gonna play so, yeah, so so many
1: so you're learning a lot and you're taking the opportunities and uh and that's great but it's not putting any money in the bank yet
0: no no so then um i i partnered up with Um, one of the camera guys, it was supposed to be a whole group of us, but once again, many of them fell away and it was just him and I, and I partnered up with him for a short while and we worked together doing the, the shows, but mostly the way we made our money was to do promotional videos for businesses. So say they had like. Frequently asked questions. Um, Who am I? Uh, How can you get a hold of me? How can, and, or, you know, professional tips. All of these kind of videos that, you know, now are are very common on websites now or in social media. So we did that for a while and the money wasn't enough for him to sustain um, because we were splitting everything 50-50. He wanted to go a different direction than I wanted to go he wanted to go more with the wedding venue and I had no interest in going into the wedding venue because I don't shoot professionally so that meant I would have lugged around his bags all day taken notes and herded the cats around at the wedding and I that wasn't what I wanted to do that's not what I signed up to do so we we had a party in the ways after about a year and a half and I've been on my own ever since. And that's when I developed Ellie Video Productions. And I was Ellie Video Productions until 2020, and then I started Wheezy. And I just kept, you know, working all these different things. And sometimes I made money, and sometimes I haven't. And um, then COVID came along and kind of pulled the rug out from the world. And that's when I really started delving into more of the video strategy coaching with people.
1: And is that what you're mostly doing now, the video strategy and coaching?
0: On the professional side, yes. But then I decided to have fun for myself with video. And I never really wanted to be in front of the camera, but I found that I really needed to make an example and show people how they can make video, and what different things they can do with video. So I started my own show called Wednesday with Wheezy, and I go live on Facebook, and I talk about lifestyle things. I talk about cooking, art, crafts, um, anything outside, gardening, my husband sometimes comes in with projects with me um he's really handy with a hammer and saw and nails and we build projects together and um we just kind of have fun and that's what i do and i talk about the holidays and um i'm more of um i'm not like the the fun girls of instagram the fun younger ones i talk to the ladies more 50s and up, the ones who kinda feel a little left out sometimes with all the transitions that have happened over, you know, that we've seen in our lifetime. Because, let's face it, if you're 40, 45 and up, we've seen a lot of changes. We used we to have. look at magazines. You know, we used to look at magazines. We used to pore over magazines and catalogs to find our information, yeah. and now it's all online. So what I do is I write blogs and do videos for Wheezy and that's um and that's more for the lifestyle things for the older generation. Something that they feel comfort for.
1: And so there have been lots of changes for you. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it sounds like it's just been easy. You've just taken one step after another and you've found yourself here and you've found your little niche and um uh, away you go. Has it really been that easy?
0: No. <laughs> I tend to work with people that are a, or more introverted. So now I profess myself as a turtle wrangler. And you go, what's a turtle wrangler? Well, you know, the turtle, when they don't like what's happening out there in the world or are afraid of something, they shrink back and they get in their shell. And that's exactly... What I did for a long time. That's why I did not get in front of the camera. Because I did not want to see my face in the camera. I did not want to hear my voice in the camera. (laughs) Um, I just didn't think I was fluid enough. But I've worked at it. And how I started was using filters. Like Snapchat filters. And having fun with my kids. And I would find a, a filter that would disguise my voice. And I just kept practicing, with funny bunny ears or, or uh, painted up faces or whatever different hairstyles. And I used those in order to gain confidence because, when I did that, it wasn't just about the voice. I would look into my phone and it was like a mirror. So I'm going okay. So I would check positions and how I how I held my head, where I was looking. And how I was sounding, how fluid was my words coming out. And so that's, so I trained myself that way to overcome my fears. And um, lots of prayers and stepping out in faith. (laughs) And this is how I have started this little gig I call Wheezy.
1: And so the fact that that's your story, have you found that many of the people you work with can relate to that?
0: Yes, because a lot of times they're they're afraid of how they're going to sound that is probably the number one fear they'd much rather like just sit and not say anything than to be the upfront person doing the talking and public speaking is terrifying for most people It's very vulnerable because you're putting yourself out there you're putting yourself forward you're putting your voice out there and you know, people can critique all of that. They can love you or they can hate you. And you hear it all. Luckily, I have an audience where I don't I don't get a lot of backlash or anything like that. But I put myself into a category where I would be more accepted because I want to show these people that they too can do this and encourage them to step out of their shells and move ahead. You don't have to be... All polished at the beginning, but as you learn and as you practice each step along the way, you you get better. You get better.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, it is just tiny step after tiny step, right? And, it is. And just it keep is. going.
0: Yes, yes. So I'm a big proponent of making a plan. I like to do a big brain dump, dump all my ideas onto paper. I still love my paper and pen, and I dump all those ideas out, and then I start cherry picking things that I can start working on. Um, Sometimes they're right away, sometimes it's longer term, but I can put that and then start putting things out onto the calendar to make a plan. And that makes me feel more confident in moving forward in what I want to accomplish.
1: So tell me about putting things onto the calendar rather than just having them in a big long list somewhere.
0: For me, it holds me accountable because I'm one of those people that um, I don't work. I don't work on it um, long range in advance. I work better under pressure, so I'm more of a procrastinator. And when when I'm under the gun, I produce better and faster. I, I get it done. It's like, I've got to get this done. So if I have something on the calendar um, for myself or for somebody else, particularly if it's for somebody else, I feel very um, accountable to them and I don't want to disappoint them. So I get, I like to be true to my word, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, So it's very important for me to, if I've said I was going to do something is to get it done.
1: Yeah, I find with a lot of the people that uh, I work with, they say they understand it, but I'm not 100% convinced they do. And that is that, you know, um, if we don't actually put something on our calendar, if we don't actually prioritize time to do something or get something done, then it doesn't get done.
0: Mm-hmm. Correct. And so I feel big responsibilities if I have it on the calendar Um, It also stems back from my childhood because if you remember back, I was that little girl who grew up on the farm. Well, you know what? You didn't get to do anything until all your responsibilities were done either. Um, There's a book, I can't remember who wrote it, but it's called Eat That Frog and it's about getting those things that you don't like to do out of the way and then being able to progress forward. And that's basically how I was raised is go ahead. Once you get all your stuff done that we've asked you to do, then you can have fun with anything. And so that's another reason I put things on the calendar. And a lot of times I like to work in the morning so that I can have the rest of the day in order to enjoy.
1: Yeah, great strategy. Louise well this has been fascinating chatting with you about you know how you made a big change in your life and got into video production through doing your associate degree and and then where that's led you especially being at the front end of video on the internet that's that's absolutely fascinating so tell us if people want to get a hold of you where where can they connect with you
0: everybody can connect with me through wheezyinc.com
1: Great. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, Are you anywhere else or is that the main place?
0: Uh, That's on, like, if you want the coaching, that's where you want to find the coaching. If you want to follow the lifestyle part, you can go to wheezy.today. I'm also on Facebook at 56 Wheezy. And that's where you find my live show on Wednesday mornings at 930
1: Great. So there's a bunch of ways people can connect with you there. So just as we finish off, Louise, what is one piece of advice uh, that maybe you've learned from your own life and and overcoming the challenges that you've had to work through to get you to where you are? What's one piece of advice that you'd leave us with about making progress?
0: It's a good question. Look at something that you really want to do and don't let fear hold you back and then start outlining it. What's that first tiny step that you need to take in order to achieve that goal? And, you know, like I told you in the beginning, for me, it was going to that college and talking to the advisors and taking the test. And that's what started this whole journey.
1: Fantastic. Thank you, Louise. Thanks so much for sharing with us today. It's been fantastic to chat with you.
0: Thanks for having me so much, Richard. I always enjoy talking to you.
1: You're welcome. Louise's story is really encouraging and a great reminder that it's never too late for us to change our lives and start pursuing our dreams. Regardless of our circumstances, we can start moving towards the future dreams, hopes, aspirations, and desires we have. All it takes is consistency. And I love how Louise talked about scheduling time in her calendar to do the things that she knows will move her forwards. It's true that we are so much more likely to do the things we say we want to do, if we schedule time to do them. I also loved her reminder that each tiny step doesn't have to be perfectly polished. That we'll learn from each step we take, and as we do, we'll get better and make progress. As I'm sure you've realized, I'm passionate about helping people make progress. One of the ways I do this is through helping membership owners and course creators set up ProgressPod accountability groups that use the Next Tiny Step method. If you'd like to find out more about our ProgressPod accountability group system and how it can help you increase your membership retention, go to richardrelston.com. There's a link in the show notes below. You can also connect with me on Instagram at richardrelston and if you've heard something in this episode that you thought was interesting, helpful or valuable, I'd really appreciate it if you would take the next tiny step and head over to Apple Podcast and leave me a review over there. You might also like to share this podcast with a friend. And please remember to hit that subscribe button. And until next time, remember to use the next tiny step method to help you focus on progress, because it's your tiny steps taken consistently over time that will enable you to produce massive results.